Hey guys, hope you're doing great. Um, we are delighted to have a guest speaker uh, sharing with us today. Dr. Charles Montgomery Jr. has uh, prepared and is going to be bringing a message. Um, you're going to be so blessed by it. Dr. Charles is the teaching pastor and site pastor at Columbus Vineyard in the States, uh, which I think is the biggest vineyard church in the world. He is an incredible preacher, brilliant Bible teacher, and you are going to be blessed by his message. So grab a Bible, get some notepad and a pen, and get ready for the Lord to speak to you today. Well, praise the Lord. Vineyard UK, my name is Charles Montgomery, and I am a campus pastor and a teaching pastor at Vineyard Columbus in Columbus, Ohio, USA. And I am deliciously delighted to deliver this message by invitation of your Vineyard UK leaders and my friends, Pastor John and Debbie Wright. Especially in a time when across the world, we are going through this wilderness called COVID-19. And if you're like me, you might find yourself asking some questions like, how long, Lord? Or how long do I have to endure this? Or better yet, is there a way out of this? And that's what I want to talk about today. What is the way, from God's perspective, out of this wilderness of COVID-19? What I want to suggest is that if you want to get out of it, we can't go over it. We can't go around it. We can't skip over it, but we've got to go through it. So I'm entitling this message, The Way Out is the Way Through. Now, I want to ask you in your quiet, meditative moments to read Exodus 16 in its entirety, but because of the length of the text and the confinements of time, let me just give you a context of what it's about. God the Father has led Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And it's fair to say that he has brought them a mighty long way from 400 years of slavery and through the Red Sea. And it's there at the Red Sea, they see Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth, tossed around like a rag doll. He's left there in shambles with his army at the bottom of the sea. And the children of Israel see once again the power of God. And witnessing the power of God prepares them now in the wilderness to see the providence of God. Particularly when they arrive to a place called Elam. And Elam is just a great place to be. Let me tell you why. Elam means the place of large trees. Friends, Elam had 12 springs of water and plenty of shade from the desert sun. In other words, Elam is just an ace place to be. Elam is a place where everything is copacetic. Elam is a place where you can be comfortable. Let me be more specific. Elam is a place where your pay is consistent. Elam is a place where your business is doing well. It's a place where your favorite football team brings home the championship, where everybody in your family is getting along. I tell you, Elam is an ace place to be. Here's the problem. God does not always allow God's children to linger in Elam for long. Why? Because God is not focused on our comfort. On the contrary, God is committed to our growth. Growth for God's children is on the agenda. And in order to grow, he takes us sometimes through the wilderness. 
So here's the question we need to ask today. How does God grow us in the wilderness? I'm glad you asked. He grows, first of all, by allowing us to live with some uncertainty. Let me show you how it works in the text. The Israelites have been in the desert for about a month. They're some 30 days removed from slavery in Egypt. And just like in chapter 15, when you read it, their resources are scarce. And the Israelites are running short on supply. They open their cupboards and the cupboards are bare. They open the refrigerator and all they see is their reflection. In other words, they have no food. And to add insult to injury, remember, they are in the desert. And in the desert, no supermarkets exist. There is no Morrisons. There's not even an Aldi. They do not know where the food is going to come from. And if that's not a picture of uncertainty, I don't know what is. They're facing a famine. They don't know where the food is going to come from. And in the course of time, the Bible says they became hungry. And just like when you and I are hungry and our, our stomachs grumble, their stomachs grumble. In fact, their whole being grumbled. They murmured against Moses to the point where Moses just has to say, why are you grumbling to me? Why are you arguing with me? Your argument is not against me. Your argument is with God. In other words, Moses reminds them that even in the midst of uncertainty, that God is right there and that God hears your cry and God hears your concern and God hears your complaint. And here is God's response in um, Exodus 16, 4. God says, I am going to make it rain from heaven, rain with bread, I should say, from heaven for you. But here's what's interesting. Bread in the Bible is called manna. Mates, manna was like a dew that, that descended from heaven. And God fed the Israelites with manna for 40 years. But here's what caught my attention about manna. It's interesting to note that the word manna does not really mean bread. Manna is a Hebrew word that really means, what is this? Meaning this. Manna is not a noun, but manna is a question. The Hebrews went out in the morning, picked up the dew, and said, man, uh, what's this? They had never seen it. They had never tasted it. They didn't even know if they would like it. They didn't know if it would sustain them in a season of uncertainty. So they woke up every morning and they said, what's this? Here's something else that's interesting. Even after they tasted it and knew it was food, they never called it food or better yet bread, but they always called it manna. That made me curious and wonder, why did they wake up every morning with a question? And the Holy Spirit started speaking back to me. And he said, Charles, you've got to keep in mind again where they are. Remember, they are in the wilderness. They are in a season of uncertainty. And when you are living in a season of uncertainty, you have more questions than you have answers. And I don't know about you, but it seems like that's where many of us, no matter where we are in the world, if not all of us, it's where we are today. We're living in a time 
where there seems like there's more questions than answers. We don't know how long we'll be in this situation. We still don't know all of the ways this virus is spread. We don't know when we'll get a vaccine. We don't know when the civil unrest that's happening all around the world will abate. There are just some things collectively that we don't know. But if we're honest, not just collectively, but personally, there are some things that some of us just don't know. There's somebody listening to me right now and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I'm living in a place right now where I have more questions than I have answers. And the more and more I find myself asking God, why? God, why did you let that happen? Or Lord, why did you keep that from happening? How did I get sick and they didn't? How is it that they are employed and I was dismissed? Why did you let my loved one die? Why didn't you let my marriage or my relationship work? And I need to be honest, sometimes on this side of life's river, all of our questions don't get answered. And even as a pastor, I don't have all of the answers. But before I move to the next emphasis of the text, allow me to offer you a response. My response is akin to Moses' response in the text. The people asked Moses, the man of God, a question. But Moses responds with a declaration. He basically says, God will provide. You see, my, sis, my brothers and sisters, I'm not able to answer your question, but God provides. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but God provides. I don't know how long you'll have to go through it, but this is what I do know. God provides. I don't understand your family dynamics, but, but I know that God provides. It may not be how you envisioned it. It may not be how you scripted it out, but the God I serve does provide. Again, it may not be what you expect or how you expected the, the script of your life to play out, but we have a father who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and he has a script he wants us all to follow. In fact, that is, that's the second way he grows us, by testing us to see if we'll follow his instructions. He says, in verse four, he says, I'm gonna make it rain. When I do that, he goes on to say, I'm going to test my children to see if they'll follow my instructions. And of course, he gives some very specific instructions regarding how they are to handle the manna. Here's the first instruction. He says, first things first. Here's what that means. God says, when you get up in the morning, I want you to go outside and gather manna. And I want you to do that first. Look at verse 21 with me. It says, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. What that suggests is that if they waited too long to collect the manna in the morning, the manna would disappear. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Friends, when you are in a season of uncertainty, how you start your day helps shape how you spend the rest of your day. Hear me. When you are in the wilderness, what you do first matters. It matters physically, it matters emotionally, and it matters spiritually. So let me ask you a question, particularly as we all move through this pandemic. 
How do you start your day? Do you start it on Facebook? Or do you start it with your face in the book? The word of God. Do you get on Twitter or TikTok? Or do you take time to give thanks to God for another day? Do you post on Instagram to see how many likes you get? Or do you link up with the one whose image you are made in and who loves you the most? How do you start your day? Opening your emails or reading God's love letter to you? How do you start your day? Friends, I want to encourage you. First things first, go get your manna and remind yourself how God provides. When you wake up in the morning and you're able to think clearly, that's manna. When you walk into your house or your flat and remember you have a roof over your head, that's manna. When you turn on the shower and feel the water running down your back, that's manna. When you smell the fresh aroma of a good cup of coffee and remind yourself of how good God's been and how much uh, manna he's provided for you even in the midst of this pandemic, that's manna. And I'm bringing this up because maybe, just maybe, one of the silver linings in this storm cloud called COVID we're going through right now is that it helps us to gain a new perspective, a new appreciation, if you will, for the blessings God provides. Just think about it. For 40 years, the Israelites ate nothing but manna. All they have to sustain them is manna, suggesting that God is saying, I'm going to teach you to appreciate what only I can provide. So I'll shut some businesses down and I'll shut some schools down and I'll shut the gym down because what I want to know is, can you identify and appreciate how good God has been when I remove all of these things from your daily diet or your daily routine? Can you appreciate the things that only God can provide? Mates, I'm here to tell you that even in a pandemic, the God we serve promises to provide for our needs. Now notice, I did not say God promises to provide for our greeds, but I did say God promises to provide for our needs. And in verse 16, it says this. It says, when the manna comes, everybody can go collect, but you can only collect as much as you need. And I don't have to tell you what happened. Some of them did the same thing that many folk, at least here in America, did at the beginning of COVID-19. They ran out and they hoarded everything they could get their hands on. In other words, they collected more than they needed. Consequently, because there were some who collected out of their greed, there were others who couldn't collect enough. And when God saw their greed usurp their needs, God engages in, let's just say, some biblical justice. It's right there in verse 17. Read it after the broadcast. The Lord goes to those who are greedy and takes the excess that they have and he gives it to those who are in need. Because the Lord declares that it's a shame for some of us to live in greed with excess while we know somebody next to us who's in need can be blessed with the extra that we have. So here's a question to ponder. While we are going through the wilderness, 
Is there somebody you can bless with the extra that you have? Because of the truth be told, some of us have more than what we need. And there are others who don't have enough. And if you're listening to me and you don't think you have enough to make it through the wilderness, here's the last thing I want to encourage you to do. Trust God one day at a time. That's what these Israelites learned while they were going through. They could only collect enough for one day at a time, except on the Sabbath where they collected double. They could only get enough manna for 24 hours. So here's the lesson. Focus on what today brings and don't fret over tomorrow. Take things one day at a time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't have dreams or, or strategically forecast for our future. I don't believe that's what this text is saying. You see, I believe what the text suggests is that you and I can be so preoccupied with tomorrow that we miss out on the joys and the blessings God wants to give us today. You remember that famous prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, teach me, Lord, to appreciate the blessings you give me today. That's what Jesus is teaching us. Trust God for one day at a time. What God wants to know is, while you're going through the wilderness, he wants to know, do you trust me? Not your bank account, not your networks or your resources. God is asking, do you trust me? Because God says, if you can trust me, you'll look to me and what you'll discover is, I'm right there. I'm still right there providing. I'm right there waiting to have a relationship with you. So let me close by asking somebody today, how's your relationship with God? Is it growing or is it dwindling? Or does it exist at all? If it's growing, praise the Lord, keep growing. But if it's dwindling or non-existent, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. God, I feel like I'm in the wilderness. So much in my life is uncertain. And I don't know how I or even my loved ones are going to make it. But I believe that your word is true and that you will provide. So Lord, help me to see the manna and appreciate the manna and obey your word. Help me through your Holy Spirit to trust you for one day at a time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My friends, if you need further prayer, I do want to encourage you to reach out to one of our Vineyard pastors. I know that they'll be happy to do it. This is Pastor Charles Montgomery telling you we can make it through the wilderness and through these uncertain times by continuing to obey the word of God and trusting God to provide. I love you, but God loves you best. And as we say here in America, one love. God bless you.